We look out into the religious world, and as I've said before, there are thousands of different denominations that are out there. I have a book that has over 3,000 just in this uh, small area of Michigan, southeast Michigan, that shows us that there are many different churches with their different beliefs. And the question that I've heard multiple times is, why can't we all just get along? Well, I think that that's a good question. Why can't we all just get along? There's an idea out there that says you go your way and I'll go my way and we'll all get to heaven. But when you look at the various different denominations, we can see that many of the things that they teach are different or contrary to what God's Word says. That is very easy to take a particular Scripture out of the Bible and say this is all one must do in order to be saved when you know that there's other passages of Scripture that put the emphasis on some other part of salvation that we need to be a part of. And so, yes, belief is important, but baptism is also important. And so is repentance. And so is confession. And certainly our faith must be based upon God's Word. And so why can't we just get along? Well, because we know what the Bible teaches. The Bible is there for a reason. And God has given us that Bible so that you and I can know what His will is. And when we see passages of Scripture like this that is found in 2 John, it is a warning to us of why we can't just get along. Listen to what it says again. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrines of Christ hath not God. So if we transgress that doctrine, if we uh, abide not in that doctrine, then we don't have Christ. And the question is, could I be saved without Christ? The answer is obviously no. And it goes on, He that abideth in the doctrines of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. We need the Father, we need the Son in order to get to heaven. And so it is important that we abide in that doctrine or the teachings of Christ. And John goes on and says, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine. What doctrine is that? It's the doctrine of Christ. The things that He taught. The things that He authorized His apostles to teach. Those things that we study and read about in the New Testament that pertain to us as Christians. And so if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Wow, that, that tells us right there, should I just go ahead and get along? If someone's not abiding in the doctrines of Christ, if they're not abiding in the teachings of Christ, is it okay just to get along with them? That passage of Scripture says no, it's not. You don't have to receive them into your house. You're not to bid them Godspeed. What does it mean to bid them Godspeed? That means to wish them well on their journey or to encourage them as they go. And how can we encourage someone who is not abiding in the doctrines of Christ? How can we continue to encourage someone that we know? We've shown them what the Bible says and they reject what the Bible says. And so we're not to bid them Godspeed. Why? Because just the simple act of bidding them Godspeed 
is partaking of their evil deeds. We're a part of what they're doing. And so there's a, in those verses we find one of the reasons why we cannot just get along. Sometimes people get upset when we expose a false teaching that's found in a denomination. But do we get upset when they try to show that we're legalistic? Or that we're like the Pharisees, that we emphasize being obedient and doing the things that the Bible says and not going outside of those things? They can condemn us. And so on the Day of Judgment, we'll find out if we're right or not wrong. But I believe that we can find out today while we're still here on this earth if what we're teaching is correct. You see, we live in a world today where there is religious tolerance all over. We see that there's moral permissiveness that is taking place. And we see that there is theological liberalism all over this planet, all over this world. We need to be reminded of the necessity of abiding in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Because that's what's important. Our focus needs to be on Him. Just as we mentioned this morning, when Paul asked, was Christ divided? Was He baptized in someone else's name? No, we're baptized in the name of Christ. Christ is not divided. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I didn't die on the cross for anyone's sin. Paul did not. Cephas did not. Apollos did not. It was Jesus who died on the cross. Does He have the authority to tell us what we need to do? He told us in the last chapter of Matthew that all authority, all power had been given unto Him in heaven and on earth. And then He gives us the Great Commission. So He has the authority to tell us what we need to know. But some people have the ideal that one can have a special knowledge of Christ and a personal relationship with Him apart from the Word of God. That they don't need this word, you know, that we can just feel or we can just assume and, and, and think that God accepts whatever we want to offer. But I think that we see in the Old Testament, which was written for our learning, we can see in the Old Testament that God was very specific in what He demanded and what He expected out of His people. When God told Noah to build an ark, He told him to build it out of gopher wood. Noah did not have the option to go out and pick any other kind of wood. It had to be gopher wood. Would he have obeyed God if he had picked some other wood? Obviously not. When it came to sacrifices, they had to offer a sacrifice without spot or blemish. And he was very detailed in some of the things that he expected out of that sacrifice. Did he accept something else? No. And the same is true with us. We're to be a living sacrifice. Does He expect anything else? Does He accept anything else? The Bible in many cases is de-emphasized with the kind of thinking that is out and prevalent in the religious world today. And sometimes even in the church. God's own people. Those that have been bought with the blood of Christ sometimes want to de-emphasize the importance of of the written Word of God. And that approach may flatter man, but it denies, him, it denies him the right relationship with God as we can see in verse 9. And so abiding in the teachings of Christ is very, very important. Why? Because 
to abide in the teachings of Christ, we have God as our Father. That's one of the things these verses are telling us. And the world has the ideal that God is the Father of all. He is the Creator of all. He's the Giver of life for all. He loves all people. He cares about all people. But to be a child of His, you have to comply to the terms that He has given us in His Word. That's the grace of God. God is the Father to those who are obedient to His will. Those that have done what He said that we must do. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3, through it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, and every man that hath this hope in Him purifies himself, even as He is pure. What a privilege it is to know that we can have that relationship with God where we're His children, we're the sons and daughters of God. Is it important that we abide by His, uh, His law, His doctrine, His teaching? It most certainly is. And it goes on in that passage that we just read to tell us that like He's pure, we need to be striving to be pure. We're, we're to be pure also. And so we look at our lives, we examine our lives, and how do I know what is pure? How do I know what is right. How do I know the difference between right and wrong? Is it left up to me to decide that? No, the Scripture tells us those things. God's Word gives us principles and gives us laws and gives us the statutes that helps us to determine what is right and what is wrong, what's good and what's evil. We live in a world today where many people call evil good and good evil. We know that that was going to happen and we see it happening. But God's Word tells us what we need to know so that we can be pure, so that we can be holy. You see, God's love is perfected in those who keep His Word. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. There again, the emphasis is on the truth. John has made that emphasis throughout this book. The second John, we can see the importance of truth, walking in the truth. That's the standard that we live by. What is the truth? Well, it is relevant. What is the truth? It's God's Word. Thy Word is truth. That's what Jesus said. God's Word is truth. And so we know that that's the standard that we need to go by. And to have God as our Father, we must abide in the teachings of Christ. To have the Son, we must abide in His teachings. That's what John is telling us. And to have the Son as a satisfaction for our sin. Jesus paid the price for our sin. Listen to what it says beginning in 1 John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him. And declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth His word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. As a Christian, we're striving to walk in that light. We want to be in the light as He is in the light. But we also see from that passage of Scripture that even while we're in the light, walking in the light, determined to do what's right, we can still sin. And we know that the blood of Jesus Christ will continually cleanse us. As a Christian, that blood is available to us. But we also see that He puts conditions on it that we have to confess that sin and ask for that forgiveness. And He's faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. But then in chapter 2, He goes on to say, I write these things that you sin not. It's not a license to sin. It's not an excuse to sin. But when we sin, we have an advocate. Someone pleading our case. Someone there to represent us. And that's Jesus Christ. And He died on the cross not only for us as Christians, but for the whole world. Now, the whole world does not accept it. The whole world is not walking in the light. The whole world is not a child of God. But the whole world could be if they would comply with the conditions that God and Christ Himself have put in place. And so we have the Father, we have the Son, if we abide in the truth. And if we keep His commandments... And we can find various commandments throughout the New Testament uh, in the Gospels of things that Jesus tells us that we must do. We find commands that the apostles uh, uh, give to us. Those things are important. They're not given to us as just suggestions or advice. They're given to us for a reason. So that we can be saved. So that we can be holy. So that we can be righteous. To have eternal life, we must have the Son of God. Because we cannot have eternal life without Jesus Christ. Without His death and our obedience to that Gospel message, we cannot have eternal life. In 1 John 5, verses 9-13, through it says, "...if we receive the witness of men, then the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which He hath testified of His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself." He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is a record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Jesus is very important when it comes to eternal life. Without all that He's done for us, there would be no hope. He was that perfect sacrifice, and He willingly went to the cross for you and me. He died so that we could have eternal life so that we could 
be called the sons and daughters of God. And what a blessing it is to have the Son as our brother and also as our Savior. And eventually, He will be our judge. But to have the Son, we must abide in His teachings. Does His teachings change? Has His teachings changed over the course of time? I'm sure that we can find in many religions and different false teachers where they will say that things have changed. We do things different now. This is how they did it back there. This is how we do it now. But the Bible tells us that God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He'll be the same. He's not going to change. So who are you or I to change the message of God? Because it can cause us to be lost. And so the challenges to the teachings of Christ are the false teachers that are out there. In 2 John verse 7, it says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And so there were individuals at that particular time who were denying that Jesus was who He claimed to be. That He came to this earth. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that He was the Word and the Word became flesh. And that flesh dwelt among men. He was 100% deity. He was 100% human. He knows what we've gone through and how we live and what we're tempted with. But to deny Christ came in the flesh was not abiding in the doctrines of Christ. Because the Bible plainly teaches us that He came to this earth, that He lived a perfect life, and that He died for our sins. Jesus warns about false teachers in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15-16. through 16, when He said, "...beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles?" Many false teachers make their doctrine sound appealing. When you hear about once saved, always saved, doesn't that sound great? That you can never fall from grace, that you're once you're saved, you're always saved, and there's nothing that you could do that would cause you to be lost. And I could probably find scriptures that would try to prove that. But we also know that there's other scriptures that show that it is possible to fall from grace that it is possible to go back into the world, that it is possible to be lost. So you have to take the whole picture. You can't just pick the parts you like. We have to take the whole thing. Those false teachers make it sound so good. But if it's not the truth, it's not going to keep us in Christ or in the right relationship with God. You see, false teaching is called evil. As it said there in verse 11 of 2 John, for he that biddeth him God's speed is a partaker of his evil deeds. You know, it may sound harmless. You know, join the church of your choice. That sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds appealing. Makes it sound like God doesn't care just as long as you go. But does God care? 
To say things like that, we understand what the Bible teaches. We've seen, hopefully, we have seen from the Scripture that Jesus built His church and that there's only one church and we want to be a part of that church because it's in that church that we find salvation. Because that church is the body of Christ. And we as members of that body of Christ, we realize we should realize what it means to be a part of that body. But there is that danger of falling away. Because he tells us in verse 8 of 2 John, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Watch out for yourself. Make sure that what you're hearing is the truth. Make sure you don't lose your salvation. Don't realize that you can be lost and that it is important to search the Scripture to see if what you're hearing is the truth. Don't take someone's word for it. I said this morning, I think it was in Bible class, that one of the most dangerous places is the Internet. When you start searching on a topic, you can find anyone that or someone that will agree with whatever you want to believe. And so sometimes we go into these searches with our preconceived ideas. This is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. And then when you find someone that agrees, you just stop looking. We're done. You don't ask yourself, is it the truth? Is it Scripture? Can we back it up with doctrine of Christ? All of those things are important to ask. But sometimes they sound good. They sound appealing. But they're false teachers. And there's some even in the church today that are false teachers. And so we need to be on guard realizing that they can pull us away from the truth. And so... There are specific things about Jesus' teaching that are very relevant. By no means of the list that I'm going to talk about here, the few things I'm going to talk about is, is, a, is all of those things that are important. But it is important to realize the truth of His nature, who He was. In John chapter 6, and verse 38, "...for I came down from heaven, not to do My own will, but the will of Him that sent Me." Jesus was in heaven. He came to this earth. He came in the form of a man. And He came to do His Father's will. You might remember there in the garden when He was praying that if there was some other way, let it be possible. Let's find it. But there was no other way. And He went about doing His Father's will. And that's what He said, Nevertheless, not My will be done, but Thy will be done. He came to do what His Father had sent Him to this earth to do. And He willingly died on the cross for our sins. And so we need to know that He came from heaven to do His Father's will. And He claimed the Old Testament Scripture predicted that He would be here on this earth. In fact, in John chapter 5, verses 39-40, through 40, He says, "...search the Scripture, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. And ye shall not come to Me that ye might have life." He's telling them to search the Scripture. You know, when you look at the Pharisees and you see, you know their knowledge of Old Testament passages of Scripture, how could they not recognize that Jesus was the Messiah? They knew the Old Testament prophecies, but Jesus wasn't what they wanted. 
It wasn't what they expected. They wanted something else. They were looking for an earthly kingdom. That's not the promise that we see. It was a spiritual kingdom. And that spiritual kingdom is the church. And so we, we know that the Scriptures is what was searched to prove that Jesus was who we claim to be. And you can look at Old Testament prophecies and there are several about the birth of Christ and what He was going to do while He was here on this earth. Prophecies concerning the church that He would establish, that He said, I will build. All of those things testify that Jesus is who He claimed to be. He claimed to be man's judge and the one to give life. In John chapter 6, verse 44 through 45, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. What's he saying? When we're hearing the truth of God's Word, it should draw us to Christ. If our hearts are open, if our minds are receptive to that Word, it's going to draw us to Christ. You know, maybe you even realize that when you study God's Word, maybe there's something amiss in your life that you need to change. Are you comfortable to stay in that condition? Hopefully it pricks your heart to the point where you want to change. You want to make yourself right with God. And that's what we need. And so we need to understand that He's going to be our judge. I, 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 it, it boggles my mind when you find a very specific Scripture such as, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That sounds very simple to me. And you'll have people that will say you don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. Or you'll hear people that will try to redefine what that baptism is. When you look in the back book of Acts, you can see exactly what it is. And it's up to you as to whether or not you want to accept it. But Jesus said, the words that I have spoken, the same will judge you in the last day. To say that it's not important to follow the law of Christ. To say that I don't need to be baptized, that there's no need to repent. God knows my heart. God knows what His Word says. Jesus knows what that Word says. And we're going to be judged by His Word. And He'll be the judge. And He's the one that gives us life. Because of what He did on the cross, we can have eternal life. But it will be Him who separates the goats from the sheep. The question is, which side will you be on? And so He claims to be the judge. The Antichrist denies His true nature by saying that He did not come in the flesh or that He was not deity. They can deny it in many different ways, but they are the Antichrist. They're denying Christ. And what about those who teach that He's a mere man, a great religious leader? What do you think of their teachings? Because there are some that are out there in the religious world that believe that, that He was just a good man, that He was an exceptional man. But He wasn't deity. He wasn't the Son of God. You see, the truth is important. The nature of Christ is important. And also the truth about salvation. Does one learn how to be saved subjectively or is it objectively? 
Can we look at the Scripture to see what we need to do in order to be saved? Or do we just get through willy-nilly, I'll do what I want, you do what you want, you can do what you want, and we'll all get to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches us, is it? Jesus tells us what we need to do. We see in the book of Acts that they followed through and they did exactly what Jesus said. They preached the Gospel. Those that believed were baptized and they were added to the church. You can find example after example after example in the book of Acts. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18-20, through 20, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. What did He say? Go into all the world and teach. Teach, baptize, and teach some more. We see that practice on the day of Pentecost. They preached. They taught. They preached and then they were baptized and then we see that they continued in the Apostles' doctrine. They were taught some more. Rather, that's what people need to do today. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47, it says, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. There we see that repentance is something that is necessary. And if you look at just that verse, you might say that's all that was necessary. But we also know from other passages of Scripture that, that baptism is important, our belief is important, the confession is important, and we see examples of all of that in the New Testament. Jesus is going to be our judge. The words that He's spoken will judge us in the last days. John chapter 12 and verse 48. So what we believe about salvation must be based upon His teaching, His doctrine. Because if we don't abide in that doctrine, we have not Christ, we have not the Father. We also realize the truth about worship. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Is the authority of Christ important? Do we need to have a book, chapter, and verse? Do we need to have, thus saith the Lord, for what we do when it comes to worship? I believe so. I believe that that is very important. Why? Because if we teach the doctrines of men, our worship is vain. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, His people draw up nigh unto Me with their mouth and honor Me with their lips, but their heart is far from Me. But in vain they do worship Me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Is doctrine important? You believe what you want, I'll believe what I want. Are we all going to get to heaven? Is our worship going to be acceptable to God? If we can teach the doctrines of men, what's He say? That that doctrine of man makes our worship vain. Wouldn't you hate to go all your life worshiping God and find out that what you were doing was in vain? That you had wasted your time? You know, the foolish man built his house on the sand. He heard, but he didn't do. 
And the Bible says that the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The fall was great because He heard, but He didn't do. And that's what many people do today. They hear what God's Word says, but they don't do it. And then it's important how we live our Christian life. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 and 17, it says, or 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God's Word is there for a reason. It serves a purpose. It is to give us correction. It's there for reproof. It's there for doctrine. And it instructs us in righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. What He wants us to do to be righteous. The Scripture goes on and tells us in other places, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word is there for reason, and we as Christians need to study it. Don't put your salvation in the hands of someone else. Don't trust me. You search the Scriptures yourself. Study those words. In 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 3, "...according to His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue." <clears throat> He's given us everything that we need to live a godly life. To be what He wants us to be. And that Scripture is the knowledge. It gives us knowledge of our Lord, of our God, and what they would expect out of us. So why can't we just get along? Because not everyone's following the doctrines of Christ. And if we're not following the doctrines of Christ, our worship will be vain. Our life here on this earth will pretty much be a waste if we end up lost because we fail to obey our Lord. So the challenge is ever before us to be faithful to the teachings of Christ and that we need to be faithful to Christ as we live this life. It's not enough just to study it and to read it and to know what it says. We have to put it into action in our life. We have to follow through and do those things that we learn from God's Word. And so to study God's Word, we realize that it is important And obedience to His Word is something that is very, very necessary because we want to go to heaven. So tonight, if you want to go to heaven, and and I encourage you to continue to live a faithful life to our Lord. If there's changes you need to make, make those changes. If you're not a Christian, become a child of God tonight. And you can do that. You can come and have a seat up here on the front row. You have that opportunity as we stand and as we sing. Thank <laughs> you.